Thanks for joining us for this message from Shades Valley Community Church in Homewood, Alabama. We pray that you are blessed by it. If you'd like to know more about Shades Valley and its ministries, you can visit us at shadesvalley.org. Scripture reading for today is going to be, well, the sermon is going to be in Ruth chapter 2. I'm going to be reading chapter 1, verses, verse 22 through chapter 2, verse 6. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. And she said to her, go, my daughter. So she set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. And he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his young man who is in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? And the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. If you haven't already, I do invite you to open to Ruth chapter 2 for part 2 of our series through this book. Our series is entitled The Light Shines, and I told you last week I'm calling it that because the, the very purpose of the book of Ruth is to help us see the light of God's faithful love shining in every place so that no matter what place we find ourselves in, we will hold on to hope. Ruth wants us to help us see no matter where we are, God's faithful love is present and active even there. Do you remember the place last week that Ruth showed us the light of God's faithful love? He said it was in the famine. Or in other words, God's faithful love for us in the midst of the hardest places that we find ourselves. That's how our story began last week. A famine hit the promised land, so Naomi and her family, they went down to Moab in order to find food, and while they were there, things didn't get better, they got worse. Her husband Elimelech died, and both of her sons died, and Naomi was left all alone, except for her daughter-in-law, Ruth, who chose to stay with her. Stay with her amidst a famine of food and amidst a famine of family. Naomi and Ruth were presented to us at the beginning as completely empty. And yet, this book showed us God's faithful love shining even there. And this book isn't done. Ruth chapter 2 takes us from the hardest places of our lives into the place where we spend the majority of our lives. Ruth chapter 2 takes us into the the everyday, the the mundane, the normal, the the daily. In Ruth chapter 2, we move from the famine to the field. It's where we're going to find Ruth at work. This is her new daily reality just for survival. And we want to ask, does the light of God's faithful love shine even there? And if it does, what what does it look like? What is hesed? You remember that word from last week? That's the Hebrew word used a couple of times throughout this book to describe God's faithful love, his love that doesn't end, his love that never gives up. That's why why we've been calling it his faithful love. What, What does God's faithful covenant love look like 
in the mundane every day? How does that love shine in the the fields, if you will, of our lives? See it with me. Let's begin reading with the last verse of Ruth chapter 1. Ignore the chapter break. Those are modern chapter breaks. They're not original at all. And the last verse of chapter 1 and the first verse of chapter 2 are the introduction of everything we need to see. We read, So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. So these verses set up the rest of Ruth chapter 2, where we're going to see three pictures. We're going to get three pictures this morning of of faithful love in the field, in in the everyday. They're actually the exact same three pictures of faithful love that we saw last week in the famine, but this week they shine even brighter with light that we've yet to see. So dive into the first one with me. Number one, first picture of faithful love. Let's look at the Lord's faithful love for us because that's where the accent falls in Ruth chapter two. It's where the accent falls throughout the entire book. It's trying to get God's people to see God's faithful love for them. This introduction right here, these two verses, they tell us two things. First, they tell us that Ruth returned to Bethlehem with Naomi at the beginning of the barley harvest. The second thing is that Naomi's deceased husband has a relative named Boaz. So barley and Boaz. Curious. We know that Ruth and Naomi are empty in two ways. There is a famine of food and a famine of family. And they're coming back to barley and to Boaz. This introduction seems to be screaming at us that God, in his faithful love, aims to fill both ways in which they are empty. He's the one who brought the barley. Didn't we read that last week in chapter 1 and verse 6? And he's the one who's bringing Boaz. We're going to read that this week in chapter 2 and verse 3. God is the one filling up everything that is empty. This is his faithful love on display. Do you see it shining? It gets even brighter. Look at verse 2. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. Naomi said to her, Go, my daughter. So Ruth set out and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the clan of Elimelech. Ruth just happened to come into Boaz's field. Shades, that's the author winking at us. Or, or as scholar, Old Testament scholar Daniel Block would say, he would say that in Hebrew, it's, the, it's the, the author screaming at us. A literal translation of the Hebrew right there is her chance chanced upon the field. Like an idiom in English might be in a total completely random stroke of luck. Like, in other words, this Hebrew phrase is dripping with sarcasm. Like, no Orthodox Jew believed in chance or luck. Neither do we. Ruth is not accidentally ending up in a field that can fill all of her emptiness. No, 
She's making her plans, but it is the Lord who establishes her steps. And he is faithfully, lovingly directing her steps so that he may fill both her famine of food and of family. This this is God's, in other words, this is God's faithful love pursuing Ruth. He's coming after her. That's precisely the truth we see put on full display in the next couple of verses. Look at verse 4. And behold, henna is the Hebrew word, and it is meant to grab the reader's attention and say something here you need to see. I, I have a former student who likes to translate it, behold up now. Like, and behold up now, Boaz came from, the, from Bethlehem. And there's another wink from the author. He's like, Ruth happened to be here. Oh, and look, here comes Boaz. What a coinkydink. Anyway, I don't know if anyone says that anymore. I'm getting old, Shades. It's okay. I'm fine with it. Let's keep going. Boaz said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. So meet Boaz. And from the very first moment that we see him, he proves to be the worthy man that verse 1 claimed he is. That Hebrew word worthy right there, it can mean that he is a man of wealth. It can also mean he is a man of character. And right here we see that he is a man of both. He's got fields, workers, wealth. And he greets them kindly, graciously in the name of Yahweh. And in verse 5, he notices Ruth. Then Boaz said to his young man who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? In other words, what, what's her connection? Who, whose family does she belong to? Bethlehem is a small town. It's easy to notice new, new people. So why is she here? Who is she connected to? Boaz notices this new gleaner in his field. And, and gleaners in fields were not out of the ordinary uh, because... Leviticus 23 and verse 22, uh, that law gives an instruction to landowners, field owners. Listen to it. It says, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. In other words, once you go over your field one time, don't go back and get everything you missed. Leave it there. Why? You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. Deuteronomy 24 adds, and for the widows. Ruth qualifies on all three counts. She's poor. She's a sojourner. She's a widow. Even still, we can't assume that every landowner was just good, great with this law and just did this. As a matter of fact, there are context clues as you read throughout Ruth chapter 2 that this could be a dangerous thing sometimes for the poor and the vulnerable to, to do. That's why, back up in verse 2, Ruth said she needed to find someone in whose eyes she could find favor. I need a field owner who's going to let me glean. And so the question hanging in the air is, will this Moabite find favor in Boaz's sight? As you keep reading, like you figure out that he, he learns her story somehow. Probably passed around a small town. So he learns her story, how she's clung to Naomi in order to protect and provide for her mother-in-law, sacrificed herself self-sacrificially. He sees right before before his eyes how, how she's still laboring to love and provide for Naomi. And in verse 8, Boaz moves towards Ruth. 
He pursues her. Look at it. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, just a term of respect. She's probably younger than he is. Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. In other words, those under his protection. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you're thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Boaz pursues, protects, and provides for Ruth. In other words, he puts God's faithful love, chesed, on display. That's what we're meant to see. That's what the author wants us to see. He doesn't want us to primarily see this as Boaz's faithful love. He primarily wants us to see this as Boaz is the means through which God's faithful love is being extended to Ruth. I know that because of how the chapter ends. Let's cheat and let's look ahead. Skip down to verse 20 with me. Ruth, spoiler alert, she's going to go home and she's going to have loads of barley. And when she gets home, check out Naomi's response in verse 20. She says, may he, she's referring to Boaz, may Boaz be blessed by the Lord whose kindness Chesed, faithful love, covenant love. May Boaz be blessed by Yahweh, whose faithful love has not forsaken the living or the dead. Here's my question. Whose Hesed is Naomi talking about? Boaz's or Yahweh's? You can read that sentence several times. It can go either way. It's even more ambiguous in Hebrew. I believe that is completely on purpose because I think we're meant to see that it is both. Boaz, in other words, is embodying Yahweh's chesed, his faithful love. Once again, Old Testament scholar Daniel Block, he agrees. He says that in Boaz, biblical hesed becomes flesh and dwells among us. Boaz is the means of God's grace to Ruth in the field. Shades, do you want to see what God's faithful love towards you looks like in the everyday? He's putting it on display through Boaz. And it looks like three things. I got three sub points for you. We're underneath our first picture of the Lord's faithful love for us. What does it look like? Three subpoints coming at you. First, it looks like pursuit. It looks like pursuit. God's been pursuing Ruth. We've seen that, his providential directing of her steps. And now we see it through Boaz's steps that he's taking towards her. Boaz initiates. He pursues Ruth. Not just right here in verse 8. Look what happens at lunchtime. Skip down to verse 14. And at mealtime, Boaz said to Ruth, come here and eat some bread, and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, not among the gleaners, beside the reapers, and he passed to her, Boaz did, roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left over. Boaz sits her, an outsider, 
He sits her alongside the insiders, and he serves her himself at his own expense. Who knows if she brought her lunch, but he says, take it back home and eat it there. He serves her at his own expense until she's satisfied. He pursues her, Shades, like the Lord's faithful love pursues you. Like, like Shades, every single mundane day, God is pursuing you, providentially directing your steps through the field that he owns, this world. And he's not just allowing you to glean, but he is daily inviting you and me, outsiders, to be insiders, to be seated at his table where he serves us. What wondrous chesed is this? He pursues us by his initiative? Do you need proof of that, Shades? If you want proof, if Boaz isn't a good enough picture for you, he's like a metaphor, a picture, an image of the love of God. But do you know that God's Hesed literally put on flesh? Jesus Christ, Hesed itself became flesh and dwelt among us. He pursued us at his own expense so that he might seat us at his table and serve us, invite us to dip a morsel in the wine. Not so that we might have a little bit of bread, but so that he might satisfy us with himself, for he is the bread of life. He gave us his own body and blood that we might be satisfied. Like, like what? Does God's faithful love look like in the field of your life? Shades, it looks like pursuit. Second, second, it looks like protection. Here's where we start getting a little controversial. Not in a way that this is controversial scripturally, but in a way that it's controversial in the details of your own life. God has not protected me. Look at this. In verse 8, Boaz told Ruth, do not go and glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close, devak. If you were here, you heard that word last week, chapter 1 and verse 14. It's what Ruth did to Naomi. She clung to her to protect her. It's a covenantal word of commitment. Boaz uses it right here to describe the protection that he wants to give Ruth. Keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? Which apparently could be something that gleaners were normally at risk of. Boaz institutes the first sexual harassment policy that I'm aware of to ensure Ruth's protection. This, this is Hesed on display. This is what God's faithful love looks like every day in the normal mundane fields of our lives. Shades, God is pursuing and protecting. And as soon as I say that, as soon as I use the word protection, I feel the need to clarify. Because here's what I'm not saying. I am not saying that God daily shields us from suffering. That wasn't true for Ruth. Her husband had died. Her brother-in-law had died. Her father-in-law had died. She's now a foreigner on the, the bottom of society's boot, picking up scraps. She'd been childless after 10 years of marriage. 
Like, how can we say that God is protecting her? Because, because he is directing all of her steps toward the accomplishment of all his good purposes in her life, and none of those will fail. He will protect her toward and through the fulfillment of his purposes. She can't see what those are right now. Right now, they don't look like they're anything good. But she is walking by faith and not by sight. She has come, we will be told in just a moment, to take shelter, refuge under the wings of Yahweh. For some reason, she trusts this God. She has nothing she can see that would lead her to believe that he protects, but she's going to shelter herself under his wings because that's where protection is promised. Shades, this, this is what I mean by protection. Nothing, nothing in this world can destroy me even all my suffering, even death itself, all those things can do is ultimately serve my loving Father's purposes. And I trust him. No suffering wins. All of it's got to work for his glory and my good in the end. The cross is my guarantee of that. Like here, the ultimate evil supremely served. I love this. God's got evil on a leash. The ultimate evil supremely served God's glory and my good. If he did it there, then he can fulfill his promise to do it everywhere. Even on the day, shades, even on the day that death comes for me, every hair on my head is ultimately protected from perishing. Jesus says so. Luke 21 and verse 16. Some of you they will put to death, but not a hair of your head will perish. Protected. Shades, what does the faithful love of God look like in your everyday? It looks like pursuit. It looks like protection, even when we can't see it. Third, it looks like provision. And we could apply all of the same theological truths to provision that we just said about protection. Even when we can't see it, it's true. Look at the last thing that Boaz says to Ruth in verse 9. He says, And when you're thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Boaz is flipping every social convention on its head. Foreigners would normally draw for Israelites. Women would draw for men. He flips them both. Why? To make sure that Ruth knows she has what she needs. And not just to drink, also to eat. You remember verse 14 at lunchtime when he served her until she was satisfied and had a to-go box to take home? That was just the beginning of his provision. Look down to verse 15. When she rose to glean, so this is after lunch, she gets back up to glean. Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves. Do not reproach her. And also... While you're at it, pull some out from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. In other words, make this easy for her. I don't want her just picking up scraps. She can glean in the same place as you do among the sheaves. In fact, give her some of what you have already harvested. Over what's what Christopher Watkin would call God's superabundance. 
And that gets reported to us. The result of it gets reported to us in verse 17. She collects an ephah of barley, which sounds impressive, even though none of us know what it means. And that's okay, because nobody really knows what it means. (laughs) What we do know, we've got an estimate. We have a guess. She collected somewhere between 30 and 50 pounds. That's enough to feed her and Naomi for at least a week. Normally, what you work on that day, you live on that day. She's got food for a a week. This is what faithful love, hesed, looks like in the everyday. It looks like provision. Do, Do you see, like when you look at your life, so often we have blinders on. It's so right there for us to see. When, when you look at your life, do you see your father's faithful provision for you? If you don't, Jesus said, here's what you need to do. Take a walk. He said, take a walk and look at the grass and check out how God clothes it with flowers. Go bird watching. And check out how your father feeds every last bird. And then realize this, you are worth more than grass and all the birds in the world. So how much more will your father provide for you? Shades, do you see his faithful love in everyday provision? He clothes you. He feeds you. Every inhale is a provision of his providence. Every. Every breath is my father telling oxygen to pull out some sheaves and leave them behind for me. Shades, do do you see? Like, like re-root, re-re-re-root, re-read, re-read Ruth. That's too many R words in a a row. Goodness. Re-read Ruth chapter two this afternoon. And what I want you to pay attention to is see how hard Ruth works. Like it gets emphasized all over the place. And yet, when she gets home and Naomi sees the result of her work, she doesn't ask Ruth about her efforts. She asks, who's the one providing all of this grace? So much favor. Naomi and Ruth, both of them see that everything she has received is not ultimately because of her effort. No, it's ultimately because of faithful, loving provision. Do we see the same thing? All our efforts, her work every day is merely a means that if God doesn't bless, won't provide anything. It's a means by which God is providing shades. Do you see his faithful love on display in your daily, every day? You're being pursued, protected, and provided for. See see the light of the Lord's faithful love shining in the field of your life. How will you respond? If you see that, you grasp it, How will you respond? That's what the next two pictures of faithful love in this chapter reveal. Everything we just talked about was the love's faithful Lord for us. Number two, the second picture we need to see is faithful love for others. Faithful love for others. What does it look like in our everyday to display faithful love 
towards others. This one is easy to see because it is the exact same as the Lord's faithful love for us. In other words, faithful love for others looks like reflecting God's faithful love for us. It looks like pursuing, protecting, providing. Is it not precisely what we've seen through Boaz? Like through Boaz, the Lord's faithful love is put on display. He's reflecting the very love that he has been shown. First, pursuit. Same three subpoints right here. First, pursuit. What would make Boaz show pursuing love to a Moabite? I'm arguing that he's showing the same love that he's been shown. How do we know that? What would make him show pursuing love to a a Moabite? My answer is his mama. Does anyone know who Boaz's mama was? This is a fun Bible trivia one. Rahab. Rahab was his mom. Check out Matthew chapter 1 and verse 5. If, if you don't remember, when the people of Israel first entered into the promised land, they spied out the city of Jericho. And there was a Canaanite prostitute who took in those spies, hid them, placed her faith in Yahweh. That was Rahab. That's Boaz's mama. She was a Canaanite, an outsider, who God pursued. That's the love that Boaz knew, and so that's the love he reflected. Whether or not we reflect the love that pursues puts on display whether or not we've known that kind of love. Love for others, faithful love for others in the everyday looks like a love that pursues. Second, protection. Rahab's whole family was protected from destruction. Without such protection, Boaz would have never existed. And now he reflects the very protecting love that he has been shown. We've seen that in how he interacts with Ruth in the field, protecting those that are most vulnerable around him. Third, provision. Boaz is a second-generation immigrant. He's done pretty well. He's got fields, workers, wealth. But he doesn't see any of it as his own. It's all a gift from God that he's merely a, a steward of. How, when he had been given such blessing, how could he not steward his blessing to bless others? In fact, that's how All of Israel was supposed to view the land. Listen to Leviticus 25, 23. God says this, the land is mine. You are strangers and sojourners with me. In other words, from God's perspective, he tells his people, you are foreigners gleaning in my field. That's how all of God's people throughout all time are to view everything we own. Psalm 24 and verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. We, shades, are foreigners in his field being provided for. If we get that perspective, then how could we not reflect the very love that we've been shown? That's what faithful love looks like in the everyday fields of our lives. It looks like reflecting the love of Christ, pursuing, protecting, providing. This is how our light shines. But that cannot happen without the final picture that we need to see. 
So number three, I told you there were three pictures of faithful love. Number three, faithful love for the Lord. We've seen the Lord's faithful love for us, what our faithful love for others is supposed to look like, but, but in responding to God's faithful love, what, what is it supposed to look like in the every mundane dailyness? What's it supposed to look like for us to show love back to him? This is how we respond to his love first and foremost. Like, when the Lord faithfully loves us, we respond first and foremost in faithful love for him. We do not respond first and foremost with faithful love towards others. If we do that, we're short-circuiting what should happen. Our faithful love for others is meant to be an overflow of our faithful love for God. If you receive faithful love from the Lord and immediately go to faithful love for others, what you are most likely doing is trying to pay God back for what you've received. And that's not how this is meant supposed to, how this is supposed to work at all. We receive love from the Lord. We love him back, and that overflows into love of others. So, in the everyday, as God shows his faithful love to us, what does it look like to love him back? Well, Boaz has been a picture of God's faithful love to us, so I imagine Ruth is going to be a picture of how we respond with faithful love back. Look at verse 10. This is right after Ruth, um, excuse me, this is right after Boaz has just pursued Ruth, and he's promised her protection, Provision, this is how she responds, verse 10. Then she fell on her face. It's the only time the Hebrew word for worship is used in this book. It does not mean she is worshiping Boaz. The word has multiple functions. It can mean worship. It can also mean just a sign of respect, bowing down prostrate. I can't help but think, again, our author who likes to play with words is winking, showing us that we are meant to see what our response to such faithful love from the Lord looks like. She fell on her face, bowing down to the ground, and she said to Boaz, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, all that you've done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me. And how you left your father and mother in your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. I love this. You can tell this is a biblical love story. I know it doesn't have all the same kind of like story beats as our modern love stories, but it has this one. This is like a conversation between an annoying couple. Like, like she's responding, oh my goodness, you're so kind to me. And he's like, no, Ruth, you're so kind. No, you're kind. No. You. Sorry. Anyway. All right, you came to this people you did not know before. The Lord, Yahweh, repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. And then she said, I found favor in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. What does faithful love for the Lord look like in the mundane, everyday? Three things. First, pray to see. Pray to see. Ruth is blown away by the fact that she has found favor, grace, in Boaz's sight. And so she asks, why? Why are you showing this faithful love to me? Shades, faithful love for the Lord begins with us asking the same thing. 
Lord, give me eyes to see the faithful love that you have shown me every day so that I will be blown away. Not entitled, but overwhelmed. Left asking why. Like, what? why would you show this kind of love to someone like me? Faithful love for the Lord begins with praying for eyes to see. God, let me see. Let me see how it is that you have loved me. Second, humbly receive. Humbly receive. Ruth responds to Boaz by bowing down to the ground, calling herself a foreigner and a servant. She actually says, even though I'm not one of your servants, she's putting herself lower than the low. In other words, she knows that she is in a position of need and she humbly receives. She, she doesn't try to pull herself up by her own bootstraps and say, thanks, but no thanks, Boaz. Don't need your pity. Don't need your, your help. I'll just do this gleaning thing my own way. Like everybody else, no, she admits her need and she humbly receives, not primarily from Boaz, from the Lord. Boaz recognizes that with his own words. Did you catch that when he spoke back in verse, I think it was 11 or so? Boaz says, the Lord has been Ruth's primary provider, that she has come to take refuge under his wings. Look back at the very end of verse 12. This may be the most important words of the book. Boaz prays that Ruth will be blessed by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. In other words, she has seen her need and humbly put herself under Yahweh's wings. The image is that of a, of a baby bird seeking shelter from the storm underneath its mama's wings. Like Ruth knows her need, and she's not too proud to put herself in a position to receive. Or are we? Like, she knows she needs a refuge. Do we know that? Shades, this, this is what faithful love for the Lord looks like, not like being a saint who doesn't need anything. Got this whole life of faith and all of it figured out. No, it looks like humbly admitting, I don't know anything. I'm in great need. And opening our hands to receive and seeing that in everything, in everything, everything we have, it is truly received. 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 7. What do you have that you did not receive? You came into this world with nothing. Everything you've been given, even your own life has been received. What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Shades. Shades. Daily faithful love for the Lord looks like humbly receiving everything, which leads us to do the third and final thing. Worship the king. Pray to see. God, how are you provide? How are you loving me? Humbly receive and worship the king. In verse 19, Ruth has just arrived home with her week's worth of barley. Don't ask me how she got that junk home. Maybe he provided a wagon. Maybe she's just that buff. I don't know. But she's arrived home with her week's worth of barley. And this is what we read in verse 19. 
her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. In other words, who you been flirting with? Ain't nobody ever have a gleaning day like this, girl. And so Ruth tells her everything. And Naomi, who concluded chapter 1, do you remember how she concluded chapter 1? Naomi, wrestling with the Lord. Now she concludes chapter 2, worshiping him. Look at verse 20. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. Naomi sees, she sees kindness, chesed, faithful love. She sees God's faithful love on display. And she sees it is faithful love for the living, in other words, for her and for Ruth. But not just that, his faithful love even extends to those who are dead, to her husband and her sons. God's love has not forgotten them. For Boaz is one of their redeemers. We're going to talk a lot more about what that means in the coming weeks, but for now, just know it means this. Boaz has the ability to secure an ongoing legacy for Naomi's family. Her husband and sons, who otherwise would be lost to the pages of history, God is providing a means by which even they are not forgotten so that 3,000 years later, You are hearing their names. That is the faithful love of our God. And Naomi sees it. She sees that God is filling up her famine of food, 30 to 50 pounds worth, and family. She sees his faithful love and responds by worshiping her king. And and here's the thing. Naomi doesn't know how this story is going to end yet. Naomi doesn't know that Boaz and Ruth will get married and there will be future friends. She she has no clue. And yet she's already worshiping. Why? Because God hasn't forgotten me. That much she knows. He sees me and he is faithful. No matter what happens, no matter what comes, he sees and he's faithful. The closest experience I remember to having like this in my own life happened over a decade ago. It was while I was in the interview process here, Shades. And the interview process had gotten down to where there were only two people left. And all I knew about the other candidate was he was older than me. And so I was like, well, this is over. I was 28 at the time. That's right. I'm turning 40 this year. It's happening. It's happening. Anyway, I, uh, I graduated from seminary in December of 2011 did not have an answer yet from Shades Valley. And so my wife and two children and myself, it was only two at the time, oh, for the days. Um, they're all blessings of the Lord. I love them. Four of them right now. Um, we drove home. I was schoolless and jobless. And I was interviewing with one other church at the time. And they called me on that drive home to tell me they were going with someone else. Safety net gone. Shades was where we wanted to be. It's where we felt called to be. That other church, I had a friend on staff there. I thought I was a a shoe-in. It was my backup option. And I was a wreck. 
an absolute wreck of anxiety and nerves for like three days at home during the most joyous time of the year. And I'll never forget, it was Saturday night, probably like one or two in the morning because my mother is a night owl, and I'm walking through the living room on my way to go to bed. My mother taught Sunday school at the time. She's studying her Sunday school lesson, which was Acts chapter 2. And she stops me, and she says, Jonathan, I'm reading about how Peter says, when the Spirit is poured out, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, and all of this kind of, I, I'm wondering, has God ever given you a vision or a dream? And I said, well, it depends on what you mean, Mom. If you mean like Ezekiel Valley of Dry Bones, like I feel like I'm transported into an alternate reality, I'm like walking around and these things are crunching under my feet. I'm like, no, I, um, I haven't had that one yet. Um, but if you mean like, do I feel like the Lord has communicated to me before, not necessarily in words, but like through, through like a picture or an image or something of that, then, then sure. My mom goes, well, Jonathan, I am praying that God will give you uh, a picture, an image, or a dream to give you peace. Thanks, Mom. I didn't think anything about it. I went to bed. I wake up the next morning. I'm in the kitchen getting breakfast, and Holly walks in, and she looks at me, and she goes, I had a really interesting dream last night. Tell me everything. And she goes, it was our first Sunday at Shade. And she begins to unpack just kind of everything that was happening in the dream. And here's the deal, Shades. I tell you that story to tell you this. In that moment, I did not take that to mean we're going to end up at Shades. I didn't know what was going to happen. But what I took it to mean was God saying, I see you. I have not forgotten you. And I've got you. And for the first time in several days, I was able to worship. That's what's going on with Naomi. She sees God's faithful love, and it leads her to worship. Shades, this is necessarily where the faithful love of the Lord leads. When we, when we pray to see and we humbly receive, we erupt in worship of our king. We find ourselves on our faces asking why. Well, why has such faithful love been shown to me? Shades, do you see? Do you see? In every field you set foot in every day of your life, the Lord is providentially pursuing, protecting, providing, faithfully loving you just like he loved Ruth. The light of God's faithful love shines. In the mundane, every day, the light shines in every field of your life. Now go into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Honor all men. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Help the suffering and share the gospel. Love and serve the Lord in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with us all. Amen.